on this episode of Fantasy NFL Today. Ooh, I got a rough one for you. I got a rough one for you. It's Monday. I'm tired. You're tired. We're all tired, but we got to do it. We got to get through it, and I promise you we will as we pivot to the AFC South and scrape the bottom of that barrel with the Houston Texans. <sighs> I know. But let's just get this over already. Welcome to Fantasy NFL Today, presented by HoopBall. Today is Monday, July 19th. I am your host, Anthony Germain. And you can find me on Twitter at the Talking Sunday handle. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Talking Sunday, all one word on Twitter. And Mondays. Oof. Mondays, am I right? No one likes Mondays. The start of a new business week. Things are looking bleak. So I'm actually going to pile on here and start with one of the bleakest teams in the NFL. Now, we covered the AFC North. And we covered the AFC East during the last two weeks. So if you missed any of those shows, you missed a lot of really good information, make sure to go back and check those episodes out so that you're all caught up and ready to dominate your fantasy leagues as we get closer and closer to the start of the season. So now I want to do a little hop and skip over into the AFC South. And I hate, I hate to do it to you, but we got to talk about the Houston Texans. Oof. That's a rough start to the week, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really, really hate to do it. Now, they're certainly not a winning team. And in fact, I think by the end of the 2021 season, we might be looking at this Texans team as the worst team holding the number one overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. But that doesn't mean there isn't any potential or value on this team to be had on our 2021 fantasy rosters. A lot of drama. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of drama with this team during the offseason. And that is never, never a good indicator for success. Distraction. Any type of distractions. I once bet on the Baltimore Ravens because Joe Flacco's neighbor called the cops on him for riding a skateboard. It was a distraction. Any type of distraction to deal with a player or the team never bodes well. And what bigger distraction this offseason than their superstar quarterback, Deshaun Watson? Between Watson's off-the-field issues and the front office's ineptitude to wheel and deal in free agency or draft well has caused a major conflict within the organization. Not a good start. Not a good start at all. Watson was a good little angel during his first four seasons in the NFL. Never really heard a peep from him. And from all reports or, or information coming out from, from the off-field stuff, by all means, he was a great guy. And he still might be a great guy. We really don't know. But it all started when he demanded a trade after the owner brought in a new general manager, Nick Casario, who comes over from the New England Evil Empire franchise. And Watson didn't seem to like that. In fact, he sent a cryptic tweet out that stated, 
Some things never change. Now, obviously, that was in reference to another New England guy coming over into the organization after the firing of Bill O'Brien, who was also a New England guy. And we all know Bill O'Brien and the stupid things that he's done to get this team to where it is now. So with that frustration, Watson demanded a trade and threatened to never play for this organization ever again. There were rumors that the front office was fielding a ton of offers from all different teams throughout the league, but was ignoring them and being stubborn as they refused to trade Watson or even pick up the phone. So what happened next? He's since been accused by many women for sexual misconduct with a ton of cases currently pending, leaving the season completely up in the air. Again, we really don't know the depth of these accusations. We really don't have the full story. All of that will need to play out in a court of law. But as it stands right now, it doesn't look like Watson will be there. But before any of these off-the-field issues started, Watson wanted to be more included with the front office, and his interest in the team hiring Andy Reid's offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy fell on deaf ears, as they ended up bringing in new head coach David Coley, who was the former passing coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Now get this. Here's the kicker that I don't think many of you know. He actually comes from under the Andy Reid tree. Huh. Interesting. Is there potential here? We've seen John Harbaugh in Baltimore win a Super Bowl. We've seen sustained success from Sean McDermott in Buffalo. We've seen sustained success from Ron Rivera. He made a Super Bowl appearance with the Carolina Panthers. We've seen Doug Peterson win a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles, and we've seen a certain level of success from Matt Nagy with the Chicago Bears. So Cully basically followed Andy Reid around since Andy landed a head coaching gig with the Philadelphia Eagles in 1999. He stuck around in Philadelphia during his entire tenure as the wide receiver coach, then followed him to Kansas City, where he became the wide receiver coach from... uh, from 2013 to 2016, before heading to Baltimore from 2017 to 2020 with John Harbaugh as the wide receiver coach and passing coordinator for that team. Now, I don't care what anybody says, that's a lot of time studying under one of the best coaches in NFL history, not to mention, oh yeah, Harbaugh, he's pretty good too. So we may just have something here before everybody decides to write this guy off right away. They did keep Tim Kelly on staff as the offensive coordinator, but Cully made an emphasis on turning around the team's bland rushing attack because the Texans finished 31st in rushing attempts and rushing yards last season. But as we all know, that's much easier said than done. So let's get it started. Let's look at these running backs and let's see how we're looking. David Johnson. The team brings back David Johnson for a second season with Houston. Household name. Everybody knows who David Johnson is. Since his 2016 breakout season with the Arizona Cardinals, when he went for over 2,100 all-purpose yards and 20 touchdowns, that David Johnson coming back for another season with the Houston Texans. But since that 2016 season, we've never seen that David Johnson again. He's never come close to those numbers again. In fact, as time goes on, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, his numbers just get worse and worse and worse. So after that breakout season, in 2017, he goes down with an early injury 
and doesn't play for 95% of that season. In 2018, his all-purpose yards dip to just under 1,400 all-purpose yards from the 21 all-purpose yards in 2016. His touchdowns are also cut in half by 10. In 2019, he makes it through nine games before going down with another season-ending injury, ending his season with 715 all-purpose yards and only six touchdowns. Last season, he only plays in 12 games. A little better, breaks 1,000 all-purpose yards, but only eight touchdowns. So as we can see, he's had trouble staying healthy as of late, and his production continues to dip. Three of his five seasons, he's dealt with injuries and has missed significant time. So is David Johnson worth rostering on our teams this year? Well, his current ADP sits as a late seventh round pick. Now that's a little too early for me. I'm not feeling super confident having DJ as my RB3, RB4, or flex player. Seventh round pick is not that late. It's not. There's a lot of value to be had in the seventh round. Again, I don't know how many times I have to say this. You're not winning your league in round one, round two, round three. You're winning your league right around the seventh round, eighth round, ninth round, tenth round. These are the guys you want to really hit. The guys that have potential. The guys that have places to go. There's no more upside. As sadly as that sounds, there's no more upside with David Johnson. His best years are behind him. Rearview mirror. Hello. Not to mention, he'll turn into a pumpkin this December. This December, he turns 30, and we all know how that story goes. He's not getting better, he's not getting healthier, so he already might be that pumpkin. But there just might be a Prince Charming on this team. One of the signings the Houston Texans made this offseason was bringing in Philip Lindsay from the Denver Broncos. Now, he's the interesting one to keep your eye on. For starters, he's the youngest of the group, sitting at 27 years old. Rex Burkhead, 31. Mark Ingram, 31, might not make the team. So Lindsey, in his prime at the age of 27, is a scrappy mother effer. We've all seen him play. This guy fights for every inch, tooth and nail. Had relative success in Denver. Broke 1,000 rushing yards in two separate seasons while averaging 220 receiving yards. He's the guy. He's the guy we're looking at. And guess what? His current ADP is a late 12th round pick. There's your RB4. There's your guy you can throw in the flex from time to time. Not Rex Burkhead. Not Mark Ingram. David Johnson's a shot fighter. But if any of these running backs are going to succeed on this team, on this bleak team, it's got to be Philip Lindsay, right? And at a late 12th round pick, you're getting him for nothing. Freebie. Penny's on the dollar. He's worth the gamble, in my opinion. He can catch out of the backfield. He can run north or south. He's definitely the guy we're keeping our eye on here on Fantasy NFL Today. This is what we're doing. But the problem with owning any of these backs hinges on the team's defense. Houston's defensive line ranked dead last. And that was with the attention whore J.J. Watt. And for the love of God, who hurt J.J. Watt in the past? Someone do us all a favor and give that man a few more hugs. But even with the addition of Shaq Lawson, this team is going to get shredded like Parmesan cheese week in and week out, which means we're playing catch up all the time. This team will find themselves buried in a hole every Sunday, and that never bodes well for any rushing attack. So again, David Johnson as a seventh round pick? No, my God, no. 
we're already in an uphill battle with this running back situation. Philip Lindsay in the 12th? Yeah, we'll do it. We'll take it. We'll consider it at least, right? Somebody's got to run the ball. Somebody's got to catch the ball out of the backfield. And for that 12th round pick, I'm telling you, it's worth it. But you can expect this team to be playing from behind often, which means a lot of air mileage. So let's be smart about this. Let's join that frequent flyer program. Because the more frequent flyer miles you obtain, the quicker you are to get that free flight. And that's exactly what we see here in Houston. You can get almost any of these guys for free. There should be enough air mileage for at least one of these guys to be worth rostering. And where do we cash in these miles? Oh, I got a good one for you. I got a real, real good one for you. And I have not been a fan of this man for as many years as I can count. Ask anybody I've been in a league with. Every time this man is drafted, I've scoffed, I laughed, I mocked. But now he's sitting in a prime position where I'm in love. I'm smitten. And the man I'm talking about is the wide receiver who's now on his fourth team entering his seventh season, Brandon Cooks. And you know, in the past, I considered him to be a boomer bust guy. He's the guy that's going to get you 22 points one week and then five points the next week. And that's not the guy or guys we're looking for in a redraft standard half point PPR 10 to 12 man leagues. Because you never know when the boom or the bust is coming. Always great in best ball leagues. But Cooks has tremendous value here as he enters the season as the number one option on the team. First of all, he's only 28 years old. That's prime. That's still prime. 26 to 28 years old is typically an NFL player's prime years. And we might just see another great season out of Cooks. Five of his seven years, this guy has broke the thousand yard marker. Even with the concussion history. He's only missed three games in the last two seasons. I had to double check that. I had to double check that because I didn't believe it. He has a stigma of being injured too often, but it's just not true. The concussion thing is real, but he's only missed three games in the last two seasons. So he should be a target machine and a real steal here at the end of the eighth round, possibly early ninth round. His absolute floor, especially because of the lack of weapons on the team, is a thousand yards. And you're getting him to be your wide receiver four, five, or if you're like me and we draft robust running back early and often, he might even be your wide receiver three. And I'm actually okay with that. Look at me. I'm making some progress over here, huh? A boomer bus guy is my wide receiver three. Wow. Never thought the day would come. So go get the chef. The man is cooking in the kitchen. Go get you some Brandon Cooks because the upside and the value it's all about the value, guys. This is what I'm trying to ingrain in your brains. It's always about the value. And for a late eighth round, early ninth round pick, Cooks is screaming, screaming it's hot in that kitchen with value. Go get him. Now, there's some other wide receivers on this team. Dante Moncrief, who's penciled in as of now to be the wide receiver two, opposite of Brandon Cooks, showed some flashes in Indy, had a good game here. Had a good game there. This guy's going undrafted in most leagues. Not really somebody we're looking to target. But if Deshaun Watson was playing, you know, maybe we can talk. But as of right now, Tyrod Taylor is penciled in to be the starter. And a guy like Dante Moncrief really doesn't have much value. And I'll get to why in a second. Another wide receiver on this team, Randall Cobb, also has a checkered pass when it comes to health-related issues. He's probably going to be a good slot receiver. But again, we have somebody that's getting up there in age. 
isn't available that often. Also going undrafted in most fantasy leagues. From a fantasy perspective, I don't see Moncrief or Cobb worth being worthy of anybody's roster spots. But there is somebody else on this team that has generated a lot of buzz within the fantasy community. The team drafted a wide receiver by the name of Nico Collins out of Michigan. He's the tallest wide receiver on the team at six foot four, which is just outside my range. And if you've been listening to the show, I have explained why I like my receivers between six foot and six foot three. That's the sweet spot. Anything taller, anything shorter, we're starting to gamble. So he sits at six foot four, and the fantasy community seems to think that this is the guy that we need to own. This is the guy with the potential because he's a rookie and because he's tall, but I'm not buying it. I'm out. I'm out on Nico. Me, me, no, no, Nico. He comes into the league out of Michigan and I'm not a big fan of Michigan wide receivers. And I think there's something to that as I explained in other episodes. There are certain schools that produce certain positions that succeed at the NFL level and Michigan wide receivers just haven't done it for me. Jason Avant, Mario Manningham, Devin Funches, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Peoples-Jones had a couple big games last year, but, you know, who's Donovan Peoples-Jones, really? If anything, Nico may hold some touchdown-dependent value. And again, that's not enough to be fantasy-relevant in a redraft league. Best ball, take your shot. Redraft league, we don't want touchdown-dependent players. He might get his shot, but again, there's going to be Brandon Cooks on one side, Dante Moncrief on the other side, who has NFL experience already, Randall Cobb in the slot, who played with Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott. Those guys are going to be on the field. Those guys are going to be starting. So don't waste your time here. Don't buy into the hype of the Nico Collins. He's going to get his touchdown shots, and that's about it. Three targets a game in the end zone? You're really going to depend on that? You're really going to waste a roster spot just hoping that he might get one touchdown, four yards? Another obstacle this team has to overcome when it comes to the running backs, when it comes to the wide receivers, and when it comes to the quarterback will be this offensive line. The offensive line is entering the season as the 20th best overall unit. Should be solid as a mid-tier offensive line, but not great. Superstar left tackle Laramie Tunsil is still there holding that side of the line down. And they do get their right tackle, Marcus Cannon, back, who opted out for COVID last year and has posted some solid grades in the past. So behind a mediocre line, the team's success will depend on who the quarterback is. How the quarterback play goes is how the team goes. And what a goddamn mess. What a mess this whole thing has become. Now, I touched on Deshaun Watson a little bit earlier, but some fantasy players clearly still have faith in drafting this man. They're taking a shot on him. They're taking a shot that he's coming back, that he'll be cleared of all his charges, come back and play. It's reflected in his current ADP as he sits as an early 13th round pick. But here's the thing. Even if he comes back, he'll be looking at an extended suspension. There's no doubt about it. The NFL has zero tolerance for this type of behavior, especially when it comes to domestic issues or women. Zero tolerance. Look at Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown went through a similar situation just a couple years ago. Slapped with an eight-game suspension. Eight. So Watson is not worth wasting a roster spot, especially when injuries start to pile up on your team and you need those spots for other players. 
Even if Watson comes back week nine, we're throwing him into the fire. Everybody else is caught up. Everybody he's playing against is in NFL shape, ready to go, coming at you 100 miles an hour. It's going to be rough for him. It's going to be rough. It's going to be a rough first couple weeks. So you're waiting eight games just for him to come back. And then when you start him, he's not going to light the league up until three or four weeks down the road. He's a waste of a roster spot. Chalk it up as a loss and just wait for the 2022 season. So everything I'm talking about on today's episode is revolving around who the starting quarterback will be for the Texans come week one. And that's quarterback Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod Taylor. As of now, Monday, July 19th, Tyrod is going undrafted in most leagues. And I think that's right. He's gradually gotten worse after his first season as the starter in 2015 with the Buffalo Bills. In that season, he threw for over 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Like our friend David Johnson, he's gotten worse as he's gone on. He got the starting gig again in 2016 with the Buffalo Bills. Threw for over 3,000 yards again, but three less touchdowns, still maintaining his six interceptions. 2017, he started 14 games for the Bills. Passed for just under 3,000 yards. Three less touchdowns again, putting him at 14 touchdowns on the season with just four interceptions. So he's safe. He won't turn the ball over, but he's lacking big time play ability. And he is what he is. A backup. He's a perfect backup. He's not a starter in this league. We've seen Tyrod. We've seen all we needed to see. And he's only been able to produce one 1,000-yard receiver during his three seasons as a starter, who was Sammy Watkins in the 2015 Buffalo season. So this is why I was saying Brandon Cooks might be a good option as a wide receiver on your team. But everybody under that, Dante Moncrief, Randall Cobb, He's never gotten these guys over 600 receiving yards. Do you really want to own a Dante Moncrief or a Randall Cobb and end the season with 600 yards and three touchdowns? I didn't think so. But he certainly is capable of getting at least one receiver to 1,000 yards, maybe nine touchdowns. And the most talented guy on the team is Brandon Cooks. So when we're talking about Tyrod Taylor, and even with this comeback from behind mentality the team will be facing week in and week out, he's not worth rostering on any team unless you play in a two-quarterback league. Now, Houston did do something interesting. With their first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, which wasn't until the third round, thanks to Bill O'Brien and his fantastic GM skills, I swear the the worse Bill O'Brien did, the more power he gained within an organization. I've never seen anything like it. So they didn't have their first pick in this year's draft until the third round. And they did a very interesting thing. They took a quarterback out of Stanford named Davis Mills. He's a former five-star recruit coming out of high school, but his college career was riddled with injuries. And he only started about a dozen games or so. He's coming in about six foot four, 225 pounds. So he has the size to be an NFL quarterback. He has an NFL caliber arm. He's accurate at all levels of the field with little hesitation. But again, He didn't start many games in college, and he's not mobile, and I'm worried about this line. He's the type of guy that needs to have his feet set before he throws the ball or really bad things start to happen. So even if Mills gets a shot, there's more than likely nothing here. So we can ignore him for now. Ugh, what? I told you it was a mess. I told you it was a mess. Bleak. It's a desert out there. Speaking of desert, 
we got to touch on this tight end situation here too. Both tight ends coming into the season, non-exciting players going undrafted, like most of this team in fantasy leagues. Uh, we have Jordan Akins, who finished as the 26th overall tight end last season in the Darren Fells, Tyler Eifert, Mo Alley-Cox range. Nothing real exciting there. And then they have another rookie, Brevin Jordan, who they drafted in the fifth round out of Miami. Not that impressive of a college career. You know, his measurables aren't that great. Nothing really jumps off at you when you watch the tape. So both of these guys hold zero sex appeal that you can fully ignore as well. Plus, the most yards a tight end has ever reaped off Tyrod Taylor was 550 yards and two touchdowns over a season. A season which was Charles Clay in Buffalo. You can confidently avoid the Texans tight end group in all standard half point PPR 10 to 12 man leagues and don't look back. Well, that's our show for today. Sorry, I could not boost morale on Mondays. I told you it was going to be bleak and I hate it to do that to you. I really, really hate it to do that to you, but it had to be done to review I find Brandon Cooks to be possibly one of the biggest steals in this year's draft, especially if you're following my robust RB strategy. He has a floor, a floor of 1,000 receiving yards with potential to probably hit around 1,400 yards. And if you play in PPR leagues, full point PPR leagues, half point PPR leagues, he's going to be a target machine. And for where he's going in the draft, he has immense value. I also find slight value on running back Philip Lindsay with his current ADP sitting there as the late 12th round pick. Again, he's still in his prime. He's 27 years old. He's got fire to him. He's feisty. He's scrappy. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. And there's much more value to be had late in the 12th round than a David Johnson that's going in the 7th round. Don't waste your time on a shot fighter like David Johnson. I made that mistake last year. But every single other person on this team is not worth rostering. At least not as of now. On Monday, July 19th, we could fully ignore everybody else on this team as long as Tyrod Taylor is under center. And with that, we'll pick up the pace tomorrow. We'll continue our trek down in the AFC South. We'll continue to pluck gems, sleepers. I'll steer you away from overrated players. We're covering it all here on Fantasy NFL Today presented by Hoop Ball. You won't want to miss it, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.